What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z podcast. Yes, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast. I'm Sean Bass of Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, the ticket joined by the Ranger beat writer of the Morning News, Evan Grant, and Kevin Sherrington, the fantastic columnist. We are in the luxurious studios today, and uh, Tommy is engineering us, making us sound good, so big props to him. I like to say that, that one of my favorite things on these Rockets is watching Tommy trying to get the clock started. Tommy, it is always an adventure. Tommy Noel is... Tommy Noel is one of the unsung stars of, of Ballsy. There's he no really question. Is, um, Listen, I'm singing about him. Tommy Noel also is like the politest man in America. Yes. Certainly in this room. Yes, for sure. Tommy, we applaud you. Yes, yeah. Sam. Right. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. <laughs> I had a mic. <laughs> no, Tommy. You, I'm sorry. We'll go so far. We'll compliment you. Let's but we're get, not giving you a mic. Tommy's <laughs> done TV in Idaho, so I think he could join this ham and egg podcast. Let's not get carried away there, Tommy. Uh, I might. We might rather want to talk to Tommy instead of talking about this bullpen that has now blown 17 saves. 17? The, the latest as we record this was a Sunday afternoon uh, two-out, 0-2 meltdown. Not, I wouldn't call it meltdown. Just Jose Leclerc gave up a two-run homer to give Chicago a series win. That after Matt Bush uh, blows things for the second consecutive Friday night. Jeff Bannister has opened things up. We once again have a no-rolls bullpen uh, in Texas. And I'm just curious, uh, how's this going to shake out? And is there anything that anybody can do to stabilize that, that's something that's just really hamstringing and otherwise what could be a good season? Yeah, I, you know, a you just start with the 17 bone saves, and you look at the last road trip. They went four and six, and in three of those games, they had significant leads that they blew. 17 was the total they had all of last year, I believe, right? And 17 through 82 games puts them on pace for 33.6. The all-time record is 34. Oh, my God. Let me ask you this about that, because I was thinking about this the other day. That's the MLB record, not the Rangers. Yeah, right. Is... So, uh, seventeen blown saves. You would you would say, okay, that means, oh my gosh, they could have been fifty-eight and you know what, uh, twenty-four, twenty-three. Look, now you're going to blow a certain amount of saves. Okay, so so, so, how, so what's the average that people are blowing right let, now? Let's say that this team should have cut it in half. Cut it in half. They're leading the I'd wild say. card. Oh, right I don't now. even think you. I don't even think you. You need to cut it in half. I mean, I think if you say that there are five saves along the way that you could have, that you should have nailed down. And you still have twelve blown saves, which is a lot for for the first half. Um, you're sitting there right now at, at forty five and thirty seven, mm-hmm. and you are leading the wild card. Man, yeah. And that, see, so when you talk about all the problems that the Rangers have had this year, and they've had a lot of problems, they uh, have two. For me, they have two big significant flaws. Obviously, the the blown saves, and I, I wrote about this this week. And they have the blown saves and the number of strikeouts, which I think are is hindering them in some ways from. Adding on runs in, in in games, they had a situation yesterday with the bases loaded and nobody out, 
back-to-back strikeouts. They saved that rally with a two-run bloop single from well, Jonathan Lucroy. What a theme of the weekend, too, is not delivering with the bases loaded were, throughout the series. Right. They were 1-10. in ten. They were 1-10 for ten going into uh, uh, late Saturday night. Okay, anyway, or late Saturday afternoon. Go ahead. Are you waiting for a caller? No, or no, go ahead. <laughs> Houston, hello. Let's go to Pig Boy in Mesquite. Boy, no kidding. I know what I was going to say is that the, the, the strikeouts are an issue for me. But, you know, that's kind of rampant throughout baseball. It you is know, rampant throughout everybody's baseball. Everybody's striking out a lot. And so that's less of a – it's a concern. There's no question about that. But this that. was a good offensive month? Really? Well, well – kind of was. It, it was. And, and that's like, a, they, they score a lot of runs. Uh, to me, the, the far and away the number one issue is the bullpen. Because here's the thing, it does not demoralize a team so much when you send a guy to the plate and he, he strikes, strikes out. out. When a guy blows a lead in the ninth, that demoralizes a team. It's not just going to the dugout and continuing the game. It's going yeah. in the clubhouse, dealing with your quiet quiet introspection, and then people like Evan come over and ask you about your mindset and where right. your head is. And then that lingers, and everybody's, instead of the music pumping in the room, it's music off and everybody's showering and Going to dinner. Absolutely. Thanks for painting that scene. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or audio or, medium. Or the reporter going, "Why did you use Bush?" <laughs> <laughs> did somebody actually ask that question? For real? No, but that's an old. That, that yeah, that's that. No, nobody's asked okay. that question. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I just think the fans. <laughs> the fans do. Well, sure they do. I um, picture Fraley doing that of anybody. Yeah. The the. The situation in the bullpen is this. I, I, I think you look back now, 82 games into the season, and I think if there was a big flaw to the construction of this bullpen, it was that there was not a veteran reliever added. Now, would a veteran reliever have made a big difference in terms of his performance? Not necessarily. But you look at who was out there and who the Rangers were counting on, and nobody was experienced in any of their roles. Nobody had any legitimate experience. And it was a bunch of disparate personalities, all of whom were a little bit quirky. Um, but there was nobody to kind of hurt everybody and galvanize them in the way that a bullpen needs, much more so than any other area of the, of the team. Because they function more as a unit than, than really any other area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for me, when you look back now, you say that's the biggest flaw. I don't expect Jason Grilly, who was acquired yesterday on, on Sunday, to come in here and start mowing down hitters. He had a 7 ERA in Toronto. What I do expect DFA last was DFA last week. But there have been a number of players been DFA in the past couple of weeks. But my god, I mean, Jeremy Jeffress hasn't been good either. He's coming off the DL. And if you talk about veterans at the beginning of the year, I might have looked to him, maybe Tony Barnett because of his his life experience, all of that, but they don't have that major league sure. baseball experience. And and so I think that now your hope here is that maybe Grilly can come in for the next month or so and, and kind of get these guys back together, maybe be a guy who kind of helps groom both Bush and Kella for these late-inning situations because I do think ultimately Keone Kella is going to get some a lot of ninth-inning situations. He was here in 09. What do you remember of his demeanor? I just think he was, you know, he was a really – he was – he wasn't closing yet at that point in time. Right. It was after he left the Rangers, he but he closed Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah. Um, and he closed for a team that Jeff Bannister uh, was the bench coach on. Um, and he's got a lot of experience, and he's always been considered a, a really decent a really decent guy in the clubhouse. And listen, right now the, the, the guy, Washington is looking for bullpen help. Other teams are looking for bullpen help. The difference maker in the bullpen is not available 
and certainly would be beyond this team's cost. Uh, uh, this this team's cost abilities. So what you're trying to do right now is bring is 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 help from the fringes. That's all they can do. I don't but, know but that it will what, solve this thing. And this bullpen may be what sinks this team this year. I mean, what, people have to understand that it's sinking it uh, now. The, the The problem for me with Grilly is, is that. If he doesn't perform, none of this will make a difference. You, you can't hide him out there in the bullpen. No. So if he if he continues to pitch at a seven fifty four ERA, then six nine seven six nine seven. Excuse me, seven fifty four. Uh, Where did you come up with? You that? said that a while ago. I said seven. Oh, okay. I think you, you said it. I think I think that there was. I saw seven fifty four somewhere. Uh, that if he continues to pitch that kind of ERA, he won't last either. No. So it won't make any difference. That's that's the whole problem. Yeah. When people talk about leadership, if you can't play, no one's going to listen to you. Yeah. Here's 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 what you hope for with with Jason Grilly and in the next couple of weeks, you hope that Grilly comes in here and can give you a couple of decent outings. Okay, I'm not talking about lights out, but can give you a couple of decent outings. Um, you hope that he can have an impact on getting Bush and, and Kella in the right mindset for late-inning situations. And then you're hoping that over the next three weeks uh, you've got Barnett back and you hope that he has now worked out his mechanical issues. Mm. You're hoping that Jeremy Jeffress comes back healthy and can be effective. And you're hoping that by the end of this month you can find a guy to round out the bullpen. And then still be in the, on, on the you're, you're, you know, here, here you are. It's been an awful weekend, and the Rangers are two games back. Two games back in the wild card. Right. If you can have, you know, if you can just stay there till the end of July and get another arm, then all of a sudden you're talking about a two month run, and you may, may. I mean, this is a big may. You may get Jake Diekman back for say the last right. five weeks of the of, of the season as well. So that's the hope. At this point in time, you're not looking for long term answers. You're looking for things that you can kind of plug and plug. Can't you argue, though, that the long-term answer at closer for the ninth inning is on this roster right now? Because unlike Sam Dyson, Matt Bush has swing and miss stuff. Keone Kella, really, since the Marwin Grand Slam in Houston, has been very good and shown a really good profile of missing bats. I kind of feel like he might get the next crack as the closer. Oh, he will. Even though Jose LeClerc gave up the home run yesterday and might every now and again have command issues, he has swing and miss stuff. That's 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 the frustrating part as a fan is yeah, you know, the bullpen has been terrible, nobody's trusted right now, but you know you have guys that can be dominant in certain situations. Hell, Matt Bush yesterday in the 7th was awesome. Right. <laughs> After blowing a save and is it and I know a lot of people talk about this, especially former big leaguers. Is it just the mental game of the ninth inning? And how can how can Bush or Kella or even Leclerc get to that point where they can be a normal closer? You know, I think one thing about one thing about the the, the ninth inning is, especially um, on the road. You know, you're looking at the ninth inning there, and there is no well. Uh, let's just minimize the damage here and get the club back in, yeah. and they'll they'll go back out and help me. You, you, it's it's there's a finality there. Um, and I think that is a, a big obstacle for guys to overcome. You look at the way Bush pitched after he took over as closer, and there is some thought that maybe he thought he had to be um, more than what he is. More than what he is, and, and and had to be for some reason a little bit more fine than than yeah. he had to be more of a strike thrower. For some reason, and I know you want your closer to come in and throw and he strikes. Throws a tremendous he throws amount strikes, of strikes, right? But uh, you felt like he was trying to like set guys up when instead yeah. of just dominating guys. He, yeah, and, and I think that was the biggest issue. And some guys, you know, for some guys, they're whatever the reasoning is, and, mm-hmm. and you can't get into 
we can sit here as fans and we can we can second guess things all day, but for anybody to think they can put themselves in the mind of an elite world class athlete and try and understand what separates them from being really good at what they do to being elite, we just can't. See, I, I just think. But I, Doug Brokale did say, you know, I think that there is some doubt in his mind right now, and I think oh, I Matt's think expressed that. You know, I, he expressed no that to me in New York last week after the blown save. Um, uh, on the Friday night and then Sunday he came back and had the save and I said what were you thinking about in these last couple of days as you've gone through all these saves and he said you know I'm I'm thinking about you know will I be able he just got engaged you know will I be able to support my fiance will I lose this opportunity and and this is a guy who's lost everything and knows what mm-hmm. it is to sure. lose everything yeah and that's heavy heavy stuff man it is but this to me is all the more reason why you should go to the no rolls bullpen because look. And we just talked about it. Matt Bush goes out in the seventh and he pitches very well. And maybe that's a much more high leverage situation. I know we at can times talk- it can be, yeah. Yes, and and we we talked about this whole thing about the ninth inning is really hard. I get that. But what if you approach the ninth inning like you would have pitched the seventh? What if you went into the ninth and said we're going to go with the best matchups here? Okay. Okay, you go out and get this guy, and then we're going to have another guy. If you're going out there and thinking I just have to get this one guy, I don't have to get everybody, I don't have to nail this down. Maybe you maybe you perform better. Then maybe make Grilly the closer and just have everybody else be your setup guy. Well, yeah. I I just think that, that that's not the most insane no, argument right now. It's, you know, it's not. I, I just I just think that you know, it's interesting to me that that baseball has embraced shifts and they've embraced all the the, the numbers and and all the rest of it, and they're still so locked in to this thinking about bullpens. You know, and and when you have this many teams having this much trouble with the bullpens, either. Either you need to do what the Rangers have never done since they had John Wetland. They got they went out and got Joe Nathan, but they they've since John Wetland they have not had a reliever lead the team in saves more than two years in a row. Right. And I think that means you've been rolling the dice a lot for a long time. Well, and the, now, ge- maybe the, the general thinking come up is that to spend big money on closers is overvaluing closers, and that you can find arms within the organization. And what the Rangers have done, what we've seen them done year after year is, you know, find ways to plug it and fix it. Um, but, did, but did the odds catch up to them this year? Uh, and yeah. And I think at some point in time it, that's going to happen. And I think what has caught up to them this year, if you look at their bullpen and then you start looking at the trades that they made and you look at Justin Grimm out there and you look mm-hmm. at Carl Edwards out there and you look at those kinds of people, they don't have any, any bullpen guys right now. Right. In, in the organization. They've just moved Connor Sadzik. I was going to say they made Sadzik a reliever. Yeah. They've made Sadzik a reliever, something that I think scouts around baseball thought should have happened a year ago. But at the same time, that scouts from other clubs. If you're that club and you've got that kind of arm and he shows any aptitude for starting, you're going to continue to start him until it's beyond it. People don't develop relievers. No. You don't develop relievers. Jose Leclerc's a good example. Right. He was a starter, and right. because he never panned out, they said, hey, throw harder. Yeah. <laughs> Be a reliever. So – um, they're in a tough spot. They're in a really tough spot. It's 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 a flaw, and, and and I think that you know we can go back and and my other point on on how this bullpen was constructed. Again, this bullpen did perform at the end of last year and performed well at the end of last year. And when you were looking at what do you do in the off season, the whole idea was well you've got to get a center fielder and you've got to get a first baseman and you've got to you know you've got to try and add more starting pitching. And the bullpen just continued to fall down that list of priorities. And eventually, when you don't have the currency to address things quickly, whether it's it, it's the, the the fiscal currency or the currency in the way of, of minor league prospects, which is where the Rangers are right now, 
it's going to catch up to you. And, and, and they are in a point in a situation right now where it has caught up to them. Now, speaking of catching up with them. Uh, oh, catch. That's a, yeah. yeah. No. I was going to say, <laughs> last year, what was the Rangers' record in one-run games? Ridiculous. It was 36 it was a, and 11. 36 30, and 11. 30, yeah. 36 and 11. That was 36 and 10. Okay. No. But are you going to argue numbers with us? Yeah. <laughs> and then, so that's 36. This year, what is their record in one it's, run game? It's well below 500. Six and 13. Six and 13. So, so, and everybody said all along that these numbers will catch up with them eventually. Right. But, and you know, my argument on that is sustainable versus non sustainable. Um, it doesn't matter what happens the year after. You're you're only playing for one world championship at a time. And and last year what they did was they had chemistry, luck, some skill to put all those wins together. And, yes, this year the law of averages says one year you're going to be good in that, one year you're not. But does it really mean that uh, the Rangers just weren't as good as we thought they were last year? Is that one of the reasons why they're playing the way they are this year? Well, again, I mean, Kevin, we look at those four, we look at those seventeen blown saves, and if you eliminate a third of them, they're leading the wild card. I, I think that we've had a little bit of extremes. I think they probably weren't as good as they were last year. I think they probably aren't. They weren't as good as their record showed last year. And I think this year they're not quite as bad as their record shows. With all those blown saves, people it, will just think that it's a much worse season than forty and forty-two. Right, is, but it all you know. does eventually, you know, balance yeah. out. So, uh, but you so like that how I did that. Yeah, you know, that was very nice. So it brings to question: uh, What do the Rangers do now, coming up to the trading deadline? Because they are so close in the wild card, and there is a there's a feeling like, oh my gosh, that they're so far behind the Astros, who have three starters in the All Star game. Uh, and and young starters, which is if you're uh, a Rangers fan, that's that's very depressing right. uh, to look at that. Um, and I'll, let me just add to that depression. I believe the Astros have three players in the Futures Game uh, All Star Weekend. Mm, is that and right? Every other team in the American League West has one. So, wow. Um, it's wow. still a, it's it's a young team that has added veterans, and it's still a pretty stocked system. So, yeah. Um. But here, to answer your question, what are the Rangers? I don't do even think now? I asked the question yet. You, uh, well, I read your mind. <laughs> Go right ahead. He knows what's your playbook. Your, yeah. What's your question? No, that was that was my question. It's, it's like so. So what you you have to make a decision on something to do now. What do you do now? Because I, I think here's here's what I think. I'll I'll just go ahead and give you my opinion first. I think they will be buyers at the deadline. I think, but it will be very mild stuff. It'll be, it'll be trading uh, a Jonathan a Lucroy. Well, I. Let me say this. Yeah. I think they will be mild buyers. Yeah. But I also don't think that trading Jonathan Lucroy is something that you would consider to be um, a minor move. I mean, this was a guy who they traded a lot for last year. Yeah. Lulu and Brinson be, and Ryan Cordell. Yes. That's a, that's a big haul. That's not looking too good. Who now. was supposed to be a top five, you know, a top five catcher in the, in the big leagues. So here, but here's the, all, the overall picture. What the Rangers have right now, even though Lucroy has performed under expectations this year, with the play that Chirinos has, has given them, with the play that Brett Nicholas has, has provided at AAA, and with Lucroy even performing below expectations, he's been an adequate big league catcher. Who's the best catcher out there to, to get at the deadline? If well, he's available, available, it would still be Lucroy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so what the Rangers are looking at, okay, is here we have we have a strength, okay, and we can – we can deal from a position of strength, and we've got to address this weakness, which is the bullpen. Now, the tricky part is, is there a contender out there that has a desperate need for catching 
and has a surplus of relief arms or that, that believes that it can trade a relief arm and still continue to contend. I think that's gonna. I think that's a difficult path for the Rangers to Absolutely. navigate. Absolutely. How about two minor league arms for Jonathan Lacroix, and then worry about your bullpen as as it evolves through the year? I'd rather do that. Well, this is too. this is the other part of that is you, you you take here we are in July, the first week in July. You take some opportunity to see, hey, is there somebody that we could make a deal with for a a quote unquote difference making arm? That doesn't happen. Then you say, okay. Let's see if we can take Lucroy and turn him for two minor league prospects. Then, when you do trade a minor league arm or a minor league player for a relief arm at the end of July, you've already replaced that with with more inventory. So, uh, I, I think there's th- those are the two ways the Rangers, the, the two phases at which the Rangers are going to try and look. And and that's not even getting into would they just consider a flat out trade of a minor leaguer somewhere for for a, a reliever. And I think. I think the most likely possibility, or we say this, and they still have yet to make a trade with San Diego, but San Diego's got Brad Hand, who's an effective big leaguer and is now an all-star, uh, and they've always loved Jerks and Profar, and he has no place to play. And uh, what you a know, coup that would be. You, you feel like there's some 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 level of, of reason for for a deal there. Let me ask you this about before we get away from Jonathan Lacroix, um, because. Everything that you heard before the the deal was made with the Brewers is that this is a guy is a top five catcher, mm-hmm. um, defensively He's and regressed. offensively. He's regressed on both sides, offensively and defensively. And that's uh, what I want to know is: were the Rangers scouts the only one who made this mistake on him, or did everybody? No, I think he was. Uh, look. I mean, the metrics were in his favor as far as framing goes. For well, sure. they were for they weren't really at the end of they weren't. AJ Hinch wanted him badly last year. Is that right for that team? The Indians had a trade in place for him, and right. he turned it down. Mm-hmm. And they ended up with the with really kind of screwing the pooch, and ended up with um, Andrew Miller instead. Right. So Dang. pretty good. Um, sometimes the best laid plans, you know, go awry. I I I, I don't think anybody thought that he would um, regress. And it's not even for me the framing because for for me, framing is still such a subjective. He has, he has trouble catching the ball. That's that's the thing for me, and I, I I had a conversation with a scout the other day in Cleveland. And I said, the thing that troubles me most is it just appears that he's having trouble catching the ball. And and I actually brought this up, and I haven't I haven't talked to Jonathan about this. And I, but you know, you wonder, and you don't hear about this anymore with players. But there was that whole phase about five six years ago where players all went through LASIK eye surgery mm-hmm. and started seeing the ball better again, started hitting. I I wonder if if there's if, if there's something there. I, I I don't know. It's um, he has trouble blocking balls. He has he has trouble catching. He has he leads the team in in uh, pass balls. I mean, of course he's going to lead the team, but I mean it, the the ratio is just not good. No, you know no. I, I, they've got four pass balls this year that they've been charged with. He's got three of them. Trinas has one. And Robbie's a fine defensive catcher, but. If you put the two side by side career wise, Lacroix is the better defender, right. and it's very noticeable when everybody's like, "Man, Robbie's surpassed Jonathan Lacroix Absolutely. in that short a period of time." And, and it I, really puts it into focus. But yeah. I also want to say this here, okay? Robinson Trinos was hurt last year. He had improved uh, markedly year after year as, as since he made the transition to catcher last year. Between the injuries, he took a step backwards, which is the reason why the Rangers went out and, and traded for Lacroix. He has taken a step forward again this year. Mm-hmm. Power numbers are up. The defense is much better. Um, uh, 
but you, st- I still wonder. And and now we're at a point here. Okay, again, this is how the circumstances and the season change. You go into the season and you're looking at 162 games, and you say, I don't know that Robbie Torinos is capable of catching 125 games and producing for you. But he's caught 35 games, I think, this year, and you've got 90 games left, and you're saying, well, if he catches 65 of those and he ends up with 100 starts, I can live with that, and he's fresh for these last. Well, I don't think you've kind of gone to that model anyway. Uh, most clubs have, and but that's how you address things mid yeah. season. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's assume that Lacroix gets traded, which I think is very likely. Brett Nicholas is having an All Star caliber year at AAA. I think he's hitting three fifteen. He's coming off a of surgery in the spring, which really sort of slowed him down. But ever since he landed uh, at AAA this year, he's been great. Where is he defensively? Where is he? Uh, how will his minor league average translate to uh, big league pitching? And I thought he acquitted himself pretty well on both sides of the ball last uh-huh. year during his his brief yeah, time up here. Look good. Um, I like the fact that he's a left-handed hitter. He's got a little bit of pop. Um, he's certainly you know you look at these young guys in the organization, and he's worked with all of them. He's not young either. No, he's twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think and. Hey, look, for a backup catcher, you bring a guy to the big leagues at 28, he's probably really honed his game skill, his game calling skills. Um, he's probably got a better idea about pitching and defense and, and, and how to maximize his skills. I don't know that Brett Nicholas is ever going to be a 70-game-a-year starter, but I do think for right now and for where the Rangers are, they feel like if they need to, they can go out and trade Lucroy put Nicholas in the in the backup spot and still have a capable catching unit and hopefully find a way that it helps them address their bullpen, whether it's directly or with adding inventory for a later And deal. you're still looking at two, three years till Jose Trevino is probably polished enough to be a big league catcher. And that's the beauty of having Robbie sign pass you know the next few years you can sort of build that bridge to hopefully Trevino absolutely and then the other side of that is is if you you know whatever Nicholas gives you it's certainly he'd be able to give you what Luke Roy has done I mean we've done we've had Bobby Wilson catching and yeah. Nicholas and this, this team has uh, done Matt Trainer back in the day you right know, it's, this, you know, this team's gotten by with with some catching that wasn't so I, I will say I, I, I do want to say this um you know Trinos has Trinos has played I think I think he played five games last week, which was this is his heaviest week. Um, he hit the two home runs in Cleveland real early. Almost hit one yesterday. But he finished like two for 17 for the week. Those were his only two hits or two for 15 for the week. And, and I, people should understand that, uh, that with Chirinos playing every day, I think the offense is certainly going to go down some. Yeah, he's not going to hit a home run every eight at bats. No. <laughs> he's no. not going to be Aaron Judge? No. 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 So that's going to be different. All right, so um, so who's going to be on this club after the trade deadline of the starters now? Of the of the starters? Yeah. Starting, starting pitchers? pitchers? Or starting? No, no, start, the starting lineup. I think the only trade, I, I, unless this team, you know, loses, gets swept by Boston – has a bad weekend against the Angels. And let's face facts, actually, over the last five or six years, they have not played well in the week leading up to the All-Star break mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. And the personnel has changed, so I think it's more coincidental than anything. Um, but unless this team goes flatline here in the next couple of weeks, I think that largely the only me- deal that they will make would be to trade Lucroy. I don't think they're going to trade other guys. I actually think at this point in time, 
makes sense to hold on to Carlos Gomez and probably try and re-sign him again yeah. to another one-year deal. Who's your center year? fielder in the system? Well, that was going to be my question was Carlos Gomez. Yeah, the I, only guy. I, I, I think, look, I think Carlos – look, Carlos directed Scott Boris to go ahead and get a deal done with the Rangers, it, it, the one-year deal. Um, he's going to continue to get older, uh, and, and I, I don't think there's going to be a huge market out there for him. I think How, he how is old is Carlos? 31. So he, you don't think that Carlos is going to want a three or four year deal? Oh, I'm sure he'd love a three or four. No, year but I mean, deal. I don't, you, you don't think he's going to really? I don't. The, would the Rangers sign him to a three or four year deal? Here, you know, the other thing that um, the other thing that I think you have to consider on the free agent market with center fielders is look at the history of 30 year old center fielders right. signing long term contracts. Right. They end up being albatrosses. Right. Um and and, and so once and you, you already get, got an albatross in right field. And or DH, or wherever DH, he plays. Yeah. At least you can live with that one for now. I, I yeah. look the production right now is not bad at all. This year, you know, he's healthy and he's producing. I, I got I've got no issue with what we're we talking about here. Chew. Chew? Yeah, I've got no for twenty million dollars a year he's at two Two forty nine. On base is three ninety. I mean, that's. I mean, he's on base. And all that's how you have to judge him. And, and and listen, I do think that when they signed him, they overvalued the OBP. Yeah. But he does have twelve home runs. He he does have an eight hundred OPS. He does he he is he does have forty one RBIs and forty six runs scored. Has he been a twenty million dollar player? No. No. But he's certainly not been a waste of all twenty million dollars. You know, he's he's there's 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 some wasted money in there. But based on this year, based on what he did in 15, he's produced in both those seasons. He has, and it's it's going to continue to get worse. I think we, I think we all, I think someone made when they when they signed him, someone made the point that this is a guy who was once traded for Didi Gregorius, and and the point being that would you give Didi Gregorius a 10 year, 20 million dollars, right. you know, 220 million dollars a year contract, and I, and I think that's a, a great point. I I do think, and I guess I was. The, the, what I was thinking at the time was the same thing I was thinking when the Rangers traded for uh, Rafael Palmero. Uh, that was a trade, wasn't it? With the Cubs? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it was a trade. Uh, and I talked to Tom Grieve about that, and I said, I think this is a great move because this is a guy who's going to – because at that point he was not hitting home runs. Uh, and he's going to make contact, and he's going to and he's gonna hit the ball. And you, cause you've got a lineup of guys who are all swing and miss. And Greece said that's exactly what we were going for. And I think I was thinking the same thing when they signed Shu. This is a guy that you can add to this lineup who's going to have great at bats and he's going to and it's going to be more contact and not so much swing and miss. And I think I just got a little bit snookered on that deal. He's, he's certainly not going to be the power hitter that Palmero was, and he's he's not going to be the hitter that Palmero was. I do think that he was he was bought and paid for based on OBP. Sure. And the contract's just too long. The contract is too long. It was just too long. That's the thing. If you if you're paying that for four years, all right, okay. But you're paying it. You were paying it for what? Eight? Was it seven it's or eight? Seven. Was it but seven? that was yeah. was that not the winner of Ellsbury too? Was it? Yes. The winner uh, of thirteen. That didn't work 14? out so well for them either. No. Excuse me. Twelve into thirteen. Right. Yeah. 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 I forget it all. Oh uh, no, together. thirteen into fourteen. Okay. Um, and you know, uh, and he's been hurt for half of his time here. Well, and that's part of the. And issue when he's too. healthy, he's actually you know a productive guy in the lineup that you 
don't want to. Pretty you, good. You make room for him either at DH or in right field. I, I, he's a pretty good player. I, and I'll, I'll say that he's a pretty good player. He's just not. He's just not a twenty million dollar no. year player. I, but we knew that at the time, right? Years. Yeah, you I think. I, I just. Him. I don't know. I just was thinking when he made, when John made those two moves. I just just thinking. Well, these were two good moves, and they both turned out terrible. And it's kind of it's kind of uh, it just looks bad when both moves were were almost one of them was catastrophic and then the other one was not good either for, uh, and that's the problem for the sake of going to get lunch can we uh do a speed round here absolutely sure. go ahead all right I, i'm looking one thing up but go ahead sure joey gallo deciding not to go to the home run derby i think that's a great mature take on saying i'm not there yet i want to be in the home run derby as an all-star not because i have crazy freak power I, I really enjoyed hearing that from him this week. I, I thought what he said was really mature, was really um, uh, was smart. And I also think that, listen, if he had gone to the home run derby and he shows up there and he, he's got the 21 home runs, but he's hitting 194 and everybody else that is, is committed or, or is above him in home runs is hitting like 260 or higher, the whole ESPN broadcast is going to be about, oh, you know, what a freak he is, blah, 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 blah. And and I don't think Joey needs to hear that. I don't think people around him need to hear it right now. And, and so I think he made a very smart decision in saying it's inappropriate. I don't deserve it. Let's let's go on. Next next question. <laughs> Speaking so of you're the all-star. Let break. me have an answer. That's the deal. Oh, I thought this was the speed round. Okay, go ahead. You know, let Evan answer all wait, the time. We wait, go no, even no. faster. No, I <laughs> let I, Tommy answer for me yeah, on this really. next one. The only thing I was going to say, I just did a comparison between Chu and Ellsbury. Okay. Over the over the length of these contracts, which this, this very speed round is really going fast. Yes. Chu has a seventy point advantage in OPS. Wow. He's got a seven eighty two OPS to Ellsbury's seven ten. He's got an advantage. In, he's got a thirty six point advantage in slugging, and he's got a uh, thirty thirty five advantage thirty five point advantage in in OBP. So. They've both been bad contracts. Ellsbury was signed as a center fielder, by the way. There's one of your center field contracts mm-hmm. for a guy over 30. But you put them side by side, and actually the Rangers got – looks like the Rangers got the better deal. Oh, absolutely. So, okay, back to speed round. Uh, all-star stuff, Hugh Darvish going to his fourth all-star game. Major League Baseball decides that he is the Ranger representative. Elvis does not go because Francisco Lindor got put on as a reserve. Even though Francisco Lindor hasn't had the better season – Overall, he's got more home runs, I'm, and he plays for the defending American League champs. What do we take of you going and Elvis staying home and maybe even having a baby? Uh, I don't have any problem with that. I, I think Elvis certainly deserved to go. I think it's an amazing thing at this point in his career Elvis Andrews has done this. I thought last year might have been a career year. Maybe just put that up, the good numbers for that one time. But to be able to build on that and do it again – uh, now he's become the the shortstop they were really hoping they were going to After get. that failure in Toronto in Game 5, yeah. he's been a different player. And, you know, he's kind of goofy. He's still goofy. Even though he's going to be a dad, he'll probably always have that about him. But the maturity he's shown and turned himself into a better player, and whether that's, I don't know, Bosley getting into his ear or, or whatever it took, it's just it's been really fun and really rewarding Not to Bosley, watch. Bosley, Beasley, Bosley. Beasley, sorry. But we, we did Bad not Bosley have a was good the hitting Bosley. coach. Sorry. We did not have a good Bosley experience. <laughs> I do apologize, but uh, yeah, Tony Beasley got into his ear and uh, really yeah. turned him around. Um, yeah. I, I I give all this credit to Eric uh, to Eric to Elvis. Um, I, I think that that the coaches, yeah, the coaches were all helpful, but I do think you know the things that Adrian Beltre said to him, the things that he himself said that day in Toronto, 
that this will not define me. Actually, I think it has defined him because I think what it did was it made him say, I am going to show that I am a better player than this. He should have realized it a long time ago. And I'd like to also point out that in the speed round, Happens. you were not allowed to, to speak because <laughs> I did not get to say anything on that first Joey Gallo thing. Next question. Yeah. Has Cole Hamill found it? <laughs> Man, he the first four hitters the other day I tweeted like uh, – uh, Cole Hamels is allowed a double home run and hit a batter. Cole Hamels is becoming a concern. And then he retired the next 19. I have no idea. but He uh, had fastball command like we haven't seen since he got here initially after the trade in 15. I think the most impressive thing about that start for me was that there were no walks because walks mm-hmm. have become a real issue. His walk rate has yeah. jumped up considerably the last two it's years. And I'm going to go ahead and break the rules, too. It's because the hitters are not chasing on him anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and he's falling behind. Yes. And that, you know, when you're down 3-1, it's really tough to be a good pitcher. Yeah. But hopefully he can uh, harness this. What do we make of Tyson Ross through four starts? I'm very intrigued, even though yesterday he had a bad inning. I think a guy like that profile is good for the middle of the rotation. And with that in mind, you have uh, Martin Perez coming back tonight, who I think is a similar type pitcher. Uh, you know, I'm messed so far on Tyson Ross. Yeah, I'm a little bit. I, I think he's he's been. I like to see some more. The thing about him is he, the the slider is really good, and uh, and so I, I like watching that. And I think he's probably much tougher mentally than than Martin Perez, and I like that too. Yeah, uh, I hate that. I hate that. You hate that? Yeah. You hate what? I, I just I I hate this. This idea that somehow Martin Perez is not tough mentally. I, I, when we talk about when we talk about tough mentally, we're not saying that he can hold his hand over a flame right. like you know. I, I, what I'm saying is is that it's the it's the thing about uh, and, and this was uh, Mike Basic brought this up. Uh, Basic, excuse me, brought brought this uh, pretty basic. Basic uh, brought this up the other day. And it, it's it's him when something starts starts to happen, and then he's, he starts slowing down, and now he's walking around the mound, uh, right. and he's doing all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, just keep your pace. Keep going. He's got to have more conviction. The thing I would yeah, say about that's Tyson That's what I mean Ross, about Tough. The thing that concerns me about Tyson Ross is this. 22 ground balls, 21 fly balls. He's not getting the ground ball rate right now. His like command's not there yet. I kind of feel like if it, the further he gets away from his surgery, I kind of you can see it at times that if he's missing, he's missing down. And when he's you that would, pitcher, you've got a great pitcher. You would like to think that come August and September, this guy will be in position to really have a nice little run. That's all great. This team still has got to keep it together to get to August and September to have yeah, it matter. Right. But, you know, I, I, I think the point is, is you well. Don't get a, you don't get a rebuttal no. in speed round. Oh, I make the rules I, here. He does. Ah, See, I think the point's well <laughs> taken because I, I do think that you weren't expecting him to come, come in and just be lights out right away. You oh, were, I was expecting a wobble. And to see his really tough three-inning, seven-run start – I had to say on the postgame show that I'm like, look, you can't just expect a guy to come in and be what he was in his first outing. Right. This, this looked more like minor league rehab Tyson Ross. We won't know what he is until probably September. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. What's the next one? Uh, that's it for me. How are we feeling about uh, our time over the All-Star break? What are, what are our plans? Will we even do a podcast next week? I will be in Mexico. Oh, whoa! Look at you in Mexico. As he, as he puts his hands behind his head, like he's already reclining in his beach chair. Let me ask you this: Have you spent more time on vacation this season than you have actually been working? <laughs> Let me give you the answer to that. That would be a no. <laughs> it feels like you've been out a lot. I mean, we've, we've had to deal with Barry Horn and Mike Heike writing articles. I, I, for I, yeah, no kidding. That, you know, we're sending poor people out there who have no clue what they're doing, <laughs> doing a disservice to our readers. They let you and, go out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even did out there one time and did it by myself. Um, 
Barry's going to Kansas City. Yeah, I know. And you know, I, I, the only thing that can come out of that is that the barbecue there will go, the sales will go way up because Barry will be there. No, he doesn't like barbecue. He doesn't like barbecue. I mean, that's that's the whole shame of it. You're sending him to the second best barbecue destination in the country, and he doesn't like barbecue. Maybe he can just bring some back for us. No, nothing else on the speed round. No, I mean, look, we had like six topics. What else do you want? We had lengthy <laughs> conversations about Lacroix in the bullpen, and and it was not so. Here we are, forty either. minutes. Tommy's ready for lunch. I'm yeah, ready to get out of here, go too. swimming with the kids, and right. enjoy our Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July, everybody! Yeah, be safe. Don't drink and drive. If you are partying, just be responsible. Get yourself an Uber. Get yourself a cab, and don't do anything terribly stupid. For Kevin, for Evan, I'm Sean. Evan, one more thing. You have your hand up. I'll be so. at the ballpark tonight for the 11th straight game of covering the Rangers, just in case anybody. <laughs> well, okay. Evan straight. Yeah. You must be exhausted. Yes. <laughs> straight Marathon up. man, Evan Grant. Thanks to Tommy for making us sound good, and thanks to you for listening and downloading and tuning in to the Ballsy Podcast brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.